Hello and welcome to the Adventure Games Podcast. My name is Shorsha Dunbar and I'm your host. One, two. Hello, can you hear me? So I'm here with Tom from Tall Story Games. Hello. Promoting um, Hair of the Dog. Hair of the Dog. I keep pronouncing it Hair Hair of the Dog dog. as well, and I've got to stop that because that's not what Hair of the Dog. Hair. Yes, um, in the long tradition of Adventure Games with the word air in it. And at the moment, as I said that, I realised I can only think of King's Quest 3. But uh, <laughs> to air. It's air. Yeah, that's, that's at least two. Yes. <laughs> no, air today, gone tomorrow. That's at least three. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll build on that. Yeah. As, 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 as the interview goes on, I'm yes. sure more will crop up. <laughs> but um, yeah, so here um, on Sunday of Adventure X. So how's Adventure X gone for you so far? Uh, it's been brilliant. It's 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 always such a um, like a lovely kind of supportive community around here. Anyway, so kind of meeting like new people, uh, meeting up with old friends, uh, other kind of developers and people in the adventure game community. It's just it's a it's a it's a big loving, and it's just it's it's lovely. It's such a nice yeah. atmosphere to be in. Yeah. If anyone's not been in person, I must say that um, you are fully in character. I am dressed <laughs> like a complete pillock. Yes, I am. Yeah, I am. I am cosplaying as my own character a full full branded experience yeah <laughs> i mean yeah, as someone who goes to gets quite a lot there's always a saying that don't get where the merch of the band you're going to see but you're going to wear your own merch yeah exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. no i think yeah but you look quite dash, look quite dapper quite uh, yeah well I, i've been dressing like this for years i only made the game look like this so it wasn't so awkward for everyone else <laughs> so it's socially acceptable yeah exactly yeah. now it got yeah. now it makes sense <laughs> exactly yeah so uh yeah i need to start I need to start working that so um yeah so air of the dog so what's so what's it about? What's it about? It's um, it's a kind of classic uh, point-and-click game. So, um, like I did with um, Lucy Dreaming, my last game, um, it's very much the interfa- interface is kind of inspired by the kind of scum interface of the LucasArts games. Um, there's a there's more kind of uh, controller support, which is what I've been working on mainly um, over the last sort of few months. Uh, so I've I've got kind of a couple of different options for the interface. So you can have a kind of classic cursor-based interface pointing and clicking as usual um, or you can use the keyboard or controller to uh, move the character around which is much more like the kind of the latest uh, Monkey Island game and um, modern games like Locomotive as well have that similar kind of interface Um, it's been great I've been getting some great feedback I, I don't use a controller much myself so for me to test it um, I can make sure it's working functionally, but in terms of testing how intuitive it is, uh, it's, it's been really handy having people who kind of natively use yeah. controllers a lot more to kind of say, yeah, you know what, if you just swap these buttons over or move that. And so I've got, I've got a load of kind of stuff to kind of go and feedback on, um, you know, tweak, and then hopefully uh, we'll be releasing the demo out into the wild on Steam in the next sort of month or two. Yeah, I think one of the things, that, and we'll be speaking to developers as well, that one of the things that they've found is that it's like, particularly with being a very adventure-focused audience, you've got people that are used to the games rather than like if you go into a generic kind of like where everyone plays Call of Duty and they're going where's the Oh shooting? god, it's, yeah. it's amazing, yeah, when I've, when I've done other events, so like Insomnia or EGX, um, it's because it's such a wide range of games there and, and point and click games are very underrepresented and have been, you know, for, for years, so, you know, a, a range of people sit down, you'll get like a 40-something guy with a slightly greying beard coming near you and you, like, you know, he's like, this is your jam, you know what to do, <laughs> I don't need to tell you anything, yeah, you've yeah. been here before, um, or you'll get like 
um, younger people coming in and you, you have to kind of sit and say, right, have you ever played a point and click game before? And some of them are like, yeah, yeah, of course. Some, some people are insulted. Like, obviously I have. I know yes. what I'm doing. Like, Do you know who I am? Yeah, now? exactly. Um, I've played all of them. Um, and other, others are, are like, they look at you like completely blankly and they've got their fingers on WASD and they're, they're, like, they're the hand on the mouse and they're, and they're, they're expecting, I don't know what they're expecting, a, a, a kind of a 3D first person shooter, presumably, or a yeah, platformer. Yeah. Um, and you have to kind of like really kind of talk them through. Like you, you click there and it does, it does the command and then you click on the object and it's literally, you point and click and they're like, oh wow, it's like, it's really simple. And some people um, immediately like, just kind of get into it and they click and, it, and they, they, it's, yeah, cause it's such a simple interface. Mm -hmm. I think they can just, just get straight into it. And others, that it's, it's, it's completely alien. It's, it's something they've never seen before. Uh, but watching, watching, especially younger players, um, play my games for for like the first time and it being the first point of click game they've ever played and if they kind of leave it and they you know or they complete it and they, they leave kind of saying yeah I want to get the full game or like I really love that I want to play more of these that's my work here is done that's, that's so the, someone the goes, best thing so someone goes oh I played Tall Story Tall Story Games game and I went to play Monkey Island it's like yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to be the first point-to-click yeah. game that someone's ever played and it to inspire them to play more is that's more than I could ever ask yeah. for. That's fantastic. The game itself, I'm looking at you, I think, because um, you, you did the talk yesterday about solo devs. Oh, yeah. And you mentioned that you kind of made uh, light of the fact that you thought like, you finished Lucy Dreaming and, you thought, and immediately went into this one. And I'm, yeah, yeah, that was a bit um, stupid. <laughs> but, honest, but looking at it, I'm, th I'm, guess, I'm guessing you, a lot of the interface and I'm assuming the base engine is the same engine, which yeah. made it easier to develop. Was it more or less like... Not, you're not building from scratch. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 apparently I just seem to make work for myself regardless. So <laughs> even though it's based on a Game Jam game, so the demo itself is like the, the puzzle, basic puzzle structure and the characters and, and things is, was already, I had a firm base for that. Yeah. And in terms of the interface, using a similar interface to Lucy Dreaming, I had a firm base for that, but decided rather than making life easy for myself, that's why I decided to work on the kind of the character-based controller support because yeah. Why not add more to it? Why not make it even more complicated for myself? So. I think on, on the benefit, though, I think what you've got, though, is that you've got something that is recognisably kind of... A, like will be like it will appeal to kind of like the adventure game fans from that, but it's almost it's, it's almost very much distinctive enough as the original nine verb interface. So like, I, I mean, I think I see a picture of that and immediately I think, oh, it's a dream, and it must be. So, yeah, that's so it. Yeah. So you've, you've already, so you've got almost like brand recognition. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a real temptation sometimes to reinvent yourself at every opportunity. Like, I make a new game, I'm going to make it. This one's going to be a different one. It's going to be, a, or this one, I'm going to do something like a platform or a casual gaming mobile game or something yeah, completely yeah, yeah. different. Um, um, but, but I think mostly to kind of keep things, I think in, indie devs often like to keep things fresh themselves and keep creative. I, I'm also kind of being a bit pragma pragmatic with it, knowing I was relatively successful with Lucy Dreaming. People liked it. People liked the interface. And I like the interface. It's the kind of game I would like to play. So I'm, I'm going to milk it for all it's worth. I'm going to get, you know, at least yeah. you know, the next couple of games. You know, I, 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 it's what I love playing. So, yeah. Well, I think you spent all the hours developing the gear. You don't want to spend... Yeah, don't want to just throw it all away. Yeah. So, I, so, I mean, I found it quite easy to use. It was in Lucid Dream, it was, it was great to use. So, immediately, you probably pick this up easy to. Yeah. Yourself, yeah, yeah, and I think it's, it makes it sometimes makes it easier then if you're thinking of kind of building a, a studio or a brand from scratch, actually having a back catalogue which people, if they play, if they discover one of your games mm -hmm. and then go, oh, hang on a minute, they've made more that are like this, I can continue my journey like, and, and play, yeah, yeah. play more of them. It makes it easier rather than kind of looking at the back catalogue on, on, on Steam and going, oh, well, the other ones they did were completely different. I don't even know wh what these people do anymore. Um, so it's, at least then people kind of look at me and go, right, this is the kind of game I can expect and the kind of narrative I can expect, um, yeah. at least for now. 
I'll probably end up making a first-person shooter next. Just, just <laughs> ignore my own advice. So, um, so, Eric, so, what's, so what's it about? So, so uh, sort of essentially, it's a kind of uh, Jekyll and Hyde uh, sort of inspired. Victorian comedy romp around London. Um, mm -hmm. So the the main character it sort of starts off. Um, there's a there's like an explosion over over Victorian London, uh, and this guy uh, called Cumberbund Bandersnatch, who's the main character, he uh, he turned. Where's that name from? <laughs> uh, it was a sort of it's sort of a, a kind of slight mockery of Benedict Cumberbatch, I suppose. Um, but it's yeah. So he he kind of turns up at his um, uncle's laboratory. And his uncle is missing, and he's he's left kind of his notes on on the on the on the desk explaining his, how he'd made this kind of secret formula, which was going to help increase his animal magnetism and things. So Kumabun, being a sort of upper class twit, kind of doesn't really think too hard about it and goes, "Oh, I'll drink that as well," um, and then immediately transforms into a kind of short, hairy. Um, version of himself uh, and it's, it's it's kind of a time-based thing so um it has it has kind of these a little bit i always like the kind of duality of um games like day of the tentacle where you can kind of go backwards and forwards in time um and same with lucid dreaming like in and out of dreams yes. and i've yeah, always yeah, yeah. i always love that kind of doing one thing in one location and it having a knock-on effect in other places and and kind of having that kind of two worlds um so yeah. here you, you can go between like you've got a pocket watch and when you could if you use that you can kind of go forward in time to like in the evening or you can go sort of to the next morning and like time progresses and you can um you have these different abilities so you're a monster during the night which means you have a, an extra command which you can sniff but then you can't talk to people and different different people are out in the street during the night and then uh, during the day uh, you can talk but you can't sniff so there's different puzzles that require yeah. sort of multiple kind of uh, steps in yeah. both of those. I think, yeah, I think that kind of gameplay mechanic I find quite it's uh, rewarding when you figure it out. When playing Lucid Dreaming, I think I can't remember where exactly, but I think it's the direction of the fan. Spoiler, spoiler. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll redact that. Uh, but yeah, no, that's no, it. That's yeah. It, yeah. But, but it's the, kind of the midpoint of the game. The, 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 most yeah. people, when I've seen them talking about it, they go, "Oh, there's one point in the game. You know, when you get, oh, you know the bit I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah I know that. And that's yeah, that's yeah. exactly that. But it's quite rewarding when you when you figure it out. And exactly. Like, and they talk, yeah, and it's like, yeah, and that's one of the. Like you, don't, you don't get a walk through something, and it's like, oh, that makes impact stuff, and it's. Yeah, it's kind of rewarding when that happens. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. It was it was that was one that was a tough. That was probably the the puzzle I was most worried about yeah. because it's also it's the one that's got the least yeah. amount of signposting, and it, it it sort of allow it 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 requires you to walk around and think and maybe go away and maybe come back and then think out the box and then suddenly it'll dawn on you and you yeah. go. Oh god! I've got, yeah, and you, you kind of go right. Yes, I, I even looked at that before. Why didn't I? Why didn't I notice it? Um, and that's that's the sort of that's the kind of puzzle that I always felt most satisfying, and you know had this most sort of sense of self achievement. Uh, you know, when I was playing games like this when I was younger, and there weren't walkthroughs. You know, yeah, yeah, I wasn't yeah. gonna I wasn't gonna phone the <laughs> LucasArts or Sierra hotline. Good God, I'm not made of money. I kept, the reason I kept all the back issues of CU and Mega was like, yeah. it was like the random person like saying like, oh, how do you get to this thing on Booty Island and Monkey Island too? And then eventually like, I remember seeing something like this. And this yeah, so go, yeah, go through, go through, like <laughs> yeah. get the box out from under my bed. It's in here somewhere. Yeah, but um, so. Um, I've asked this for every single person I've spoken so far, and the answer's always been the same. But have you had a chance to look around at anything else? Have I bollocks? No, <laughs> I've, I've, I think this is. I'm about, I'm about five foot away from my my stand at the moment. And that's about as far away as I've got. Although I was on the panel um, yesterday, so that was at the end of the day. So that was quite good. I was kind of able to kind of yeah, I just, leave. Yeah, leave. I, sort of, I shut the game down. I left yeah. a trailer running. Um, went and did the panel. Came back and uh, the, actually the the, um, the kind of volunteers here had already kind of packed it up for me, which was lovely of them. So I didn't have to kind of do much as well with that. 
but yeah. yeah no I'm I yeah if I have to go for a Wii or something like that I have to like get make sure someone's kind of they're installed they're playing it they know what they're doing it's like do you mind if I just run away for a second and come back and, <laughs> and you come back and everything's been gone yeah exactly they just, they just, there's no game left he goes no I've left the source code on that machine yeah exactly <laughs> that guy with a big big bag with swag written on it was playing and he, he seems like such a nice trustworthy yeah. guy but now he's gone so but okay so in terms of what have you been playing away from development so have you had a chance to play at all uh, to be honest I don't get much of a chance to play recreationally myself um, but I do kind of play games vicariously through my son who's now nine so yeah. he's now working his way through all my SNES games and my kind of old Game Boy games so we get to kind of play um, like Mario together he's just started playing um, Zelda Twilight Princess as well yeah. um, which I mean I completed back years ago when <laughs> back when I used to have free time um, and he's really enjoying that and just kind of yeah, it's really it's really nice to be able to kind of play. I don't feel like I need to necessarily play any games myself. I'm I'm I can do it all. I get enough joy kind of watching him do it. And it means. Uh, so has he um, been playing any points clicks yet? So oh, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's 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 always. I mean, he's he's brilliant at breaking my game. <laughs> it's like I don't know. I don't because he naturally just sort of he has the same sort of tendencies of like a speedrunner. He he will just hammer the keys and he will yeah. he will try and try and break it. And he doesn't I don't think he means to necessarily, but he's yeah, if 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 it survives a playthrough with him, I know it's going to be okay. So natural play tester. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's brilliant and he's he's always full of ideas. And you know, he's nine, so most of them are shit, but occasionally <laughs> occasionally there's like yeah. a nugget of gold in there and you go, "Oh yeah, that's going in." And okay. then he's like he's so chuffed with it. Yeah, I mean there's there's a few there's even even in Lucy dreaming there's a few little bits in there that I've gone yet yeah. I mean like there's a whole um, it's only it's like, it's like a, an optional mini game but there's like a, an interactive Rubik's Cube that you can yes. you can solve and there's yeah, a yeah. Steam achievement for that that was I mean I kind of I just had it as a like a, an object in the charity shop that you could kind of pick up if you wanted and he's like but you've got to make it interactive daddy it's like oh fine okay <laughs> daddy won't sleep tonight um, and then had to program that so there's, there's a few kind of little things like that and like um, Goosey Wallop which is a game and the um uh, in like the, there's like a village fate in again in Lucy Dreaming yes. and again that was just yeah. a, that was just a bit of scenery and it's like why can't I play Lucy Goosey Wallop why can't I play it like, right fine so all the kind of mini games they're all optional but they're all just just to please him frankly uh, so this game would have been finished by the t- if you, if you, if you oh good god it would have only taken me like four months to do it yeah and all the all the extra stuff but, um, it's, it's all him but so it's, so in terms of the um, design are you actually trying to create something that You'd, you'd be able to show this and he'll be able to play like a nine year old be able to play so that's oh like yeah like the... yeah I mean it's, it, I, there's occasional slightly rude words I'm going you know I'll, it's got like a, a bugger and a knob and things in it so it's <laughs> I think I think by for that it'll probably still have to have a, a slightly kind of lower teen rating on it yeah. um, but I still I, I can't bring myself not to put slightly rude words in it because I yeah. find them so hilarious myself. Oh, um, oh trust me, yeah, the twax joke in uh, Lucy. <laughs> I, just, I, I don't um, know what you mean. <laughs> that's one. Of the, I, I, I piss myself when I was that, for a point. I like that's like the fun of the. That's probably the funniest thing. In a the lot, game. a lot of people. Yeah, you gotta have a yeah two two fingers of crunchy goodness. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah. it's yeah. It, I mean, it, yeah. It, 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 I'd be happy with my son kind of playing. I mean, he has done. He's he played the original game jam version and. Um, I've, I've probably tempered the language slightly from there, um, and then he's you know, he's, he's played through um, kind of this demo version as well. Well, this so. is like, as as your song goes older and older. This is when like the content starts getting Get, gets like, a bit more racy. Yeah. On his 18th birthday, you've got like yeah, you've got leisure suit Larry. You're like yeah, exactly. <laughs> <You're> very- <laughs> yeah, and, and thus your education is complete. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is how I, this is how Daddy learned about it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell my parents. <laughs> but um. 
Yeah, no, um, yeah, I'm really, really looking forward to. I mean, have you got a release date yet? Or? I'm being, I'm being kind of purposefully vague. Um, I've, I've kind of provisionally said 2025. That gives me a couple of years, um, which feels doable. I think um, I've got the basic um, UI, save systems, settings. Uh, once I've tweaked the um, controller support as well, um, I think I'll be pretty much happy with the way that's working as well. So. That's all kind of in place, and though a lot of that's that's kind of a lot of the legwork anyway. And now the kind of the fun stuff begin, you know, stuff begins. So I've that's started like the story in the art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I've got my I've got my kind of my basic narrative plan. I've got my milestones in there, and I've left myself a good amount of room for just making shit up as I go along, because that's <laughs> that's where half the fun is for me. And I'm sure I'll go off on many tangents and stuff that I never thought I'd do. But as long as I, as long as I come back to my basic plan, I'll be fine. And I've I've made sure I've got a, a good sort of solid satisfying hopefully ending as well yeah so um yeah thank you very much for talking to me that's very well welcome it's nice to see you thank you so i'm here with mark and talking about hro so um so what's the gist of the game so hro adventures of the humanoid resources officer is a branching sci-fi narrative game <laughs> in which you play a junior officer on a starship and your job is to fix all of the problems that the higher-ups um, get your ship into. Uh, okay, so basically the yellow shirt ensign of, star, of a Star Trek ship, more or less. Yes, yes, yes. so it's uh, yeah. using the power of the bureaucracy to sort of uh, fix all of the messes that the heroes yeah. dump so, you into. So the chief, so that the chief uh, inspiration is pretty much like Star Trek, they were like the lower decks. So yeah, I'm probably giving away my age, but I was a big Star Trek original series um, fan, and we took a lot of uh, inspiration from, from that sort of... Okay. Space opera, early sort of 60s uh, yeah. space opera Yeah, because I'm looking at there, the key word you've got is retro sci-fi. Yes. So is that kind of like, um, there's a term for it, and I can't remember, is it retro futurism? Is that what it is? Basically oh. like, like Fallout, kind of like how Fallout's kind of like the 50s version of the future. Yeah. So is it more or less like the 60s version Yeah, it's of sort the of like a 60s version of science fiction, because contemporary science fiction often today is, you know, dark and gritty and realistic, yeah, yeah. Uh, and this game kind of preserves some of that uh, idealism and sort of big-eyed, wide-eyed sort of blinkiness of the innocence. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so, you, so it's that kind of like um, aesthetic of like the original 60s Star Trek where you, yeah. Yeah. Um, Cardboard sets and... Sort of big yeah. stories. Yeah. Um, Sort of big moral, um, clear moral lines. It's a, it's a very sort of, um, and you can see it a little bit in the artwork. It's a very sort of clean and simple uh, aesthetic. Okay, so oh, we actually called it the Tonka when we were doing the de development process. Uh, we called it the Tonka aesthetic. Uh, do you have Tonkas uh, in this in the UK? I'm, if you do, I'm not familiar with. It's a, it's a brand of toys for kids in the states, um, and they are like construction equipment, bulldozers and dump trucks and things, and they're huge and they're colourful and they're metal indestructible. The phrase Tonka truck comes into yeah, my head. Tonka truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly. I don't know whether I'm getting confused with perhaps stuff that I saw on TV as a child. I'm not sure. But it's the, the, the idea things. is that they're sort of big and indestructible and fun and brightly coloured. Uh, the more I think about it, Tonka truck is something that I'm... Again, it's one of those things that, like, 
it's the kind of things where like, I don't know whether it's like American culture by osmosis or something like that. But, right, um, right, right. Yeah, but I think the phrase Ponga Truck is something that I definitely start remembering stuff. But that yeah. kind of, yeah. That was sort of our design uh, guidepost as we went along. Is it okay. is it fun? Is it big? Is it bold? Uh, ah, is so, it is that, so is that just like the ease and ease of uh, like? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so it, it is more or less just like choice, like you just get choices and it's more sort of branching off. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, there's six episodes that come in the game. Each of them have three acts, the classic three act structure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and in each act, you get a, you can get up to five different ways to solve the problem through the bureaucracy. Ah, okay. Uh, and depending on how you solve it, the game will actually branch into different. Uh, and do they branch out and um, do they influence the following episodes as well? So like. Yep. Yep. So uh, that must so that must be very difficult to keep track of then. It can, and it yeah. turned into uh, the technical term is ski. Uh, Scope creep, scope creep. <laughs> uh, because we thought it was going to be a reasonably, uh, we're a small team, we thought it'd be a reasonably small project, uh, four and a half, maybe four and a half years uh, of death. Ah, okay. Yeah. So, um, so have you got a release date? It actually is released. It's oh, okay. on Steam now, uh, and it's actually on sale as part of the uh, Adventure X Festival. Ah, to keep an eye on that. So, okay, okay. So, so, um, it's, so branching away from this second, we'll talk about you've got a new the fandom of games itself. So, yeah. have you been playing anything? Have you been playing other games or? Yes, um, yeah. I've been new playing um, the new version of Stanley Parable. Yes, uh, Stanley Parable Deluxe Ultra Deluxe. Deluxe. Yes, that, something yeah. ridiculous like that. Um, and you know, as a game dev, they you know talk about games talking to game people. Yeah, uh, like, yeah. It's yeah, like a fan of narrative. Like I'm a fan of meta narrative myself, and it's just it just like it's like poking fun and celebrating at the same time. It's it's like a genius piece of writing. And it is. Yeah, and the author looks is, is great because like, you got the whole section with like, the bucket and the and like the kind of like adding on DLC stuff, which is like poking fun and all that. And it's right. Yeah. Have and you, I can did you look at the uh, theme achievements? No, uh, actually, no, no. There's a Steam achievement uh, for that game. It's like knock on door 317 21 times. <laughs> uh, and of course, you know, I went to room 317 and knocked on the door 21 times. I know, on, I know the original version had the one where you get to the point where there's a baby in the fire. And apparently you have to, there's a bit where there's like this baby in the fire and you have to kind of, you have to push a button to stop a baby from being burnt. And you have to do that for like four hours. Oh and you get it as a Steam achievement. Yeah, yeah. Oh God, no, I haven't seen that one yet. But yeah. I mean, it's talk about subverting our expectations of what narrative is, what a game yeah. is, even what achievements um, yeah. are. So did that have, a, did that have an impact and influence anything in HL, HRO? Or? Uh, I, I did start playing that after, I have to admit, I did start playing that after we finished most of the heavy lifting yeah. for HRO. But did, any, did anything influence HRO? Uh, Games-wise? Yeah. Uh, oh, God. My partner, Eric, would probably kill me for not being able to come up with the... <laughs> Uh, we are so we're theater folks. Um, okay. Both Eric and I uh, met. We met actually as professional actors uh, working in Boston, and our company name, Worthing and Moncrief, is actually um, a theater joke. Um, okay. Our last roles were um, playing Algie and Jack in Importance of Being Earnest, um, and their last those characters' last names are Worthing and Moncrief, and so that's what our name actually came from. Okay. So I think we. Uh, we draw our influences um, tend to come from sort of other uh, larger uh, other places. Um, so certainly theater and television, a lot of the 1960s, uh, like yeah, we were talking yeah. about the science fiction um, stuff. Yeah, there's a, there's a 
particularly the old, particularly the old stuff as well, particularly and I think old films when before they kind of was able to kind of do more things like the fourth wall and stuff. It, it just feel like there was recording, it's like a theatre play, like some of the older films or TV shows. Right. It felt like it was doing a multi-cam sitcom, book doing drama, so you couldn't really do multiple stuff like that. So right. I kind of see the kind of see the influence of theatre kind of sticking to that. Yep. Absolutely, that's the idea. In a way, yeah. So it lets you put yourself into those. Un- an uninteractive, non-interactive yeah, yeah. Um, formats. Yeah, yeah. So, and um, the Trekkie in me was like, so how? So, t- so ignoring the initial series, um, what are the star- what are the parts of Star Trek you kind of interested in? Uh, I'm sorry, if you're new to the series. Uh, we, we, talked, we briefly mentioned the original series. Yes. In terms of Star Trek, what are the parts of Star Trek that you're a fan of? Oh God, what parts of Star Trek yeah. do I find attractive? Um, I love the uh, I love the world building that they did in that series, um, where they weren't necessarily so explicit. They didn't come out have a lot of exposition to sort of tell you who the Klingons were, or sort of yeah, what yeah. was going on. But you got a sense contextually, sort of, of the world building that was being done. Uh, and we did put a lot of effort into HRO in a similar way. I mean, there's a lot of um, background pieces. Um, you can look through the regulations for for uh, space fleet, space academy. Yeah, yeah. You can look through uh, personnel files and things that aren't uh, integral to your play of the game, but really hopefully bring some of that. Uh, the world build, the world building stuff. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I think as trying style stuff like to do it myself as well. It's a lot of fun. And you can get easily distracted by just doing all the stuff in the background, building stuff up and like saying, oh, yes. the history of like all this kind of stuff. And then you, you really notice the people who do it in a clunky, uh, who do the uh, world building or exposition in a really clunky yeah. way. After I was like, oh, oh, that's that's a painful. You know? So how, how do you handle that with um, HRO? Is it more is it more like a like a, like a you sound personal Wikipedia? So it's not so you're not overloaded with exposition. It's more or less you got additional stuff you can invest in. So. Well, I think um, I think part of the reason why the original series was so successful in their world building was that they kind of assumed you knew. And they sort of would talk, would talk about it, or bring out a reference, and sort of talk about it in a way that um, didn't say here with an asterisk, here's like exposition or something. Like yeah. That. It sort of integrated into the experience. Yeah, the difference between like naturally just getting the audience to figure it out rather than seemingly just have dot characters quote the Wikipedia article. Right. Yeah. So we did work hard uh, at doing that. I, I did the narrative um, for the game also and spent a lot of time thinking about not only character, because in some ways this is a really interesting um, job for a writer, this project is an interesting job for a writer, Yeah. because over the course of these six episodes you see the same group of characters sort of over and over again, and depending on which path you choose, um, your relationship with them may change, and you learn sort of things about their background and what's going on. There's unlockable episodes about specific characters. So there's a real opportunity to get to know uh, the folks, the characters in the game. No, yeah, no, you're really sending it to me. I'm like, I'm, yeah, and I'm a massive TV fan myself as well. I'm an interactive narrative fiction fan, so, yeah, so, yeah. So it's on, I might wish this didn't make me to have a look at it later on. So, it's, yeah, so it sounds really, really good. So, um, Mark, thank you so much for speaking to me. So, no, I yes. appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. No worries. One, two. One, two. Testing. So I'm with um, Firas from Octopus City Blues. So uh, on the start of Sunday. So how have you found Adventure X so far? It's very exciting. A lot of people came to play the game. 
it's always cool to have adventure game players try it because I've been to other conferences where it was more general audience and you know, they're not very used to the genre, they're not very used to the conventions. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's really cool to see you know, seasoned players try it out and you know, they, the way they play is different. Yeah, okay, okay. So, um, so what's Octopus City Blues about? Octopus City Blues is an adventure game uh, about uh, a city built on a giant octopus. And you play as a tentacle trimmer. Uh, so it's, like, it's this guy who trims the tentacles uh, like a head trimmer. Um, and it's mostly about rumors and gossip. So you collect rumors as uh, inventory, as an item in a way, information. And you can also spread them to people. And everyone in the city has their own schedule, their own likes and dislikes, their own friends. Uh, and there's like a day and night cycle. Um, and they might spread this gossip that you tell them to other people. So you might change the world by spreading information, lies, or truth. Ah, oh, okay. And yeah, finally, it's about choices. So you make a lot of choices with a lot of diverging paths on the different endings. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay, so it's like a gossip em up, or like you spread gossip rather than a beat em up, it's a gossip em up. Yes. Okay, yeah, okay. So, so where did the idea come from? So, uh, where, did it, where did you get the idea to, to come up with the game and that mechanic? Um, I'm not quite sure. Um, I was just curious about uh, if you can use something other than combat, other than you know conflict, but just to have talking as a central mechanic. So uh, it's mostly an evolution of items. So you just use gossip in the same way you combine it with other gossip. Um, uh, I like writing, so it's kind of fun to write all the different responses. If you ask different people about the gossip, yeah, 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 yeah. the way they react is differently to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, so so in terms in terms of the art style, why did, is it? So I'm looking at uh, I'm looking at the screen now, and it's quite um, you know, very visually. You know, don't want to say retro because that's the wrong word. Very pixel art style. But why, why, why did you go for that style? Is it is it just a fan of the style, or was it, did you want to go for a? Um, yeah, we, we wanted to have um, to to have it look a bit like the old. Um, Amiga or the Commodore 64 games in terms of like the palette, yeah. the colors, yeah, yeah. all the pink and purple and green. Uh, mm -hmm. And the artist I work with, uh, Marina from Spain, she's really talented. She has her own, her own style that really shines out. Uh, so she does all the backgrounds, all the animations. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have some inspirations like, uh, you know, stuff like Tim Burton's work or, uh, uh, you know, something that's a bit disgusting, but not too disgusting, just a bit. Uh, Weird. Yeah, know. nothing, not grotesque, but uh, visually interesting. Kind of. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. So, like the, yeah, so it's not. So, you, yeah, something you wouldn't be shared, like something like younger children, not younger children, but like younger audiences could perhaps yeah, look yeah, at this. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, you're not looking at high tide guy, girl, or alien. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so um, perhaps branching out slightly a bit more. Um, have you had a chance to walk, do you have a chance to walk around and look at anything else? This weekend, yeah, or we've been stuck here. Or... Uh, I haven't. Uh, I, I really want to play some of these games. I think this this one looks really interesting. Oh, uh, Death of the Reprobate. Yeah, I really yeah, like yeah. the art style. Yeah. Uh, yeah, everyone I'm looking around it looks really cool. I really want to play it if I have some time today. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but um, so, in so in terms of your own kind of gaming thing, what have you been playing recently or what's influenced Oxford City Blues or have you deliberately tried to stay away from? similar games or I haven't had time to play a lot of games recently yeah um, so I, I've played uh, this Coliseum last year 
and I played that for the first uh, time. Last I'm, year. I'm not as good as a writer, or it's, not, it's more of a comedy game, my game, but it does have some similarities in the terms of like choices that you make. Yes. And uh, in that game, if you fail, it can be a good thing as well. Uh, yeah. So there's no like, uh, yeah, whatever you do, there's always a path forward, and that's what I try to do as well. Uh, but other than that, I haven't really played anything recently. Uh, the game itself is inspired partly by Shenmue for the Dreamcast. I've never played that. I've, not, I've never played that. It's one, of those, it's one of those games I think I've never played, so I need to get... Yeah, so the thing is, when I started, I didn't play it either. I just remember reading about it in magazines and so like about how it's a simulation and it has like schedules and it has... Yeah, this. yeah, yeah. So I've only played it like a few years ago and it really matched what I expected, but it's... Yeah, this idea of just talking to people, focusing on a city, uh, some simulation. And like the world building, so you, so like you can explore as well as just play through the stories, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also, so, you talk to the same people multiple times, so you don't just you know, talk to someone once, you talk to them over and over, and you have new things that we say the world will change and stuff like that. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so there's a lot of, kind of ex- extra wo- like additional world building in City Blues as well, then. Yes, yes, uh, yeah. that's, that's true. Ah, cool. So, oh, cool. So, um, yeah, thank you very much. And I'll, I'll sit down and play the demo in a sec. So, thank you ever so much for talking to me. Yeah, thanks so much. No worries, thank you. So, I'm here with um, Alex from Source Group Games. Um, this is definitely not the second time that we've done this. Not, not, not uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> we've just met five seconds ago and I'm just with the microphone in your face. But um, <laughs> we're here to talk about the quiet things, the game that you've hit you're here for Adventure X, um, which. Uh, but yeah, transparency. We did chat yesterday, and the audio was didn't pick us up at all. So, uh, but since then, I have played the game that we're going to talk about. So I've got a bit more better ideas than that standing with. So um, yeah, let's start. Let's start. But let's start back from the beginning. So, what's the quiet things about? Yeah, the quiet things is an autobiographical narrative game, and it's based on the diary entries that I kept when I was a teenager. So all the diary entries that you read are real, except I've changed like names and details to protect identities of people. But it's created in a kind of walking simulator style, similar to games like Gone Home and What Remains of Edith Finch, they're big inspirations to us. So yeah. if you like those kind of things, maybe you'll like our game. What, why, what made you choose a game to tell that story? Yeah, it's funny because there's, I mean, an autobiography is a, some, quite a common thing in books yeah. and people write their stories quite often. And then there are lots of films that deal with people's life stories and maybe even documentaries, but it's not really something that's done a lot in games. Mm-hmm. There are a few, but I think as a platform or a medium to be able to put yourself in someone else's shoes like virtually yeah. and play through and decide and you have your own version of events as to how you choose to interact with things <coughs> and walking through the game in your own pace and being able to do that in a kind of space, safe space it's different from like in a cinema you're still in quite a public setting whereas at home with a video game with your headphones on it's kind of your own like space to be able to address those kind of issues in, yeah, yeah. in that kind of a way. So I think it's a good platform for that. Yeah, yeah and I think with the first person or with the interactivity bit in, you, mm. the player has to get some kind of investment to carry on with the story, and there's probably a part of impact in that to like, get the message across, more or less. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, video games are so unique in that sense, and especially for young people, like for myself, I'm much more likely to play a game than I am to necessarily sit down and watch film on TV. Like, it's a, it's a very different experience, because it's it's naturally an interactive medium, so you're, you're yeah, yeah. doing it. Yeah, Yeah. so, uh, and the walking simulator aspect, rather than the, like, any other kind of game, why did you go for the walking simulator game? What, what, what mechanic more than Yeah, I mean, I think part of it is that I want it to be hopefully as accessible to people who don't maybe usually play video games as much as, like, 
people who are used to playing it, they can do complicated things, but you don't want people to get frustrated and I want people to be able to engage with the story and like I personally like playing those kind of games. I think Dear Esther was the first one that I played and compared to things like that I've played in the past like Pokemon and Assassin's Creed when I played that game it was a very different experience and you never really forget your first one maybe yeah 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 I think I still never I've not played the rest of it but the uh, first one I played was Gone Home yes, and yeah. um, when I was playing the, the Gone Home influence is definitely there yes like with sure. the, voice, like the voiceovers and the kind of like interactivity where you can just walk around, you walk around and you yes. pick up the objects and it triggers memories and stuff um, and I think yeah as a game as a player of that game there are parts of that game that stuck with me that stuck with me and like parts of it that just yeah it's like stuck with me so it's that it's that kind of immersive aspect of it that kind of yeah. helps with that gameplay well helps to tell a story because you have to actively looking around and building stuff out um, mm. and again playing the game there's it's whether it whether don't tell me if you do if it does get revealed but one of the things I tell with the environmental storytelling aspect of it yes. was um, an extra door was added on in the hallway yeah, yeah. and then the names of Zimmerman Brothers were yes. moved onto different doors and there, yeah. was a, there was like Brandon's room and there's, at the moment from, yeah. from the demo there's no context for that yet no yeah I know yeah, yeah. But, it was, but it's intriguing and it kind of it, keep, it, it helps you kind of work out what's going on or adds context clues and stuff yes. and that, that kind of for me personally that was I found that quite interesting in terms yeah, of, yeah. of that but um, yeah and it's a different way of telling stories you see you're trusting the intelligence of the player to try and work that stuff out um, how was that how was trying to craft that balance how was that um, how do you know how much to give and how much not to yeah give? it's especially tricky for the demo versus the full game where you'd naturally have the whole story mostly chronologically Whereas for a demo, we kind of wanted to give a snapshot of each bit of Alice's life as a child and as a teenager, because those are the main areas, and especially to showcase the voice acting changing between those times. But yeah, there's a lot of extra context that's not given in the demo that you would get in the full game. Uh, So there's stuff missing from those parts of the... Yeah, just Ah, naturally, because I can't put hours of narrative into it to to be able to, to communicate the whole path. But I hoped that it was enough that it gave context for what was happening but not the whole story if that makes sense no I definitely felt that felt that um, I personally as well did enjoy some of the kind of easter egg easter eggs of like the posters and uh... <laughs> yes for copyright reasons yeah, <laughs> yeah but, yeah, but um, yeah well, as someone who's tried to, who's, who's like written stuff in the past and just it was easy to make uh, like parody versions of stuff yes. like uh, yeah like something I've created has a parody version of the band Wet Leg and I call them so glim so it's a uh... yeah it <laughs> yeah. was really yeah. fun and uh, I think our team grew up in roughly similar eras if that makes sense like I'm 30 now and so things like My Chemical Romance and Green Day like they're very obvious references in the game if you know what the album art looks like yeah so it's like yeah it's like um, yeah that's clearly American Idiot that's clearly Black Parade (laughs) Um, there was one I couldn't get which one I couldn't get there was a festival poster as well which was a yes I have to ask Tabby she made that one and I can't remember what it was (laughs) (laughs) but no yeah that's the the music fan in me was like really enjoying those kind of core and stuff but um yeah, so in so sort of going slightly beyond the actual game itself, in terms of like the your own kind of personal gameplay experience, you're kind of into the walking simulators and, and that kind of stuff. So, what was it about them in general that drew you to the Dream Two? I think it's the focus on exploration and being able to take your own time and 
I think they don't handhold your experience too much. Like they just leave you to do what you might naturally do. But I also like the aspect of being in someone else's space and getting to look at things that you wouldn't normally see. Like yeah. like diary entries are hugely personal, but. I don't know, like in a game when you can actually do that and you know no one's going to come and catch you, kind of a thing. <laughs> like, you, you can actually see what someone really thinks Snoop about something. somebody else's Exactly, house. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. what it feels like in Gone Home as well, though, right? Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, can just, like, you can open every single drawer and just like, yeah, look at it. Yeah, touch everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it's like, yeah, there's like, uh, yeah, like that kind of like almost voyeuristic yes, element exactly. to it. And yeah. again, tie it into the fact that you're kind of progressing your own narrative yes. with your own opinion, like your own kind of interpretation of narrative yeah yeah so, but beyond that what other kind of um, games have you been playing um, when you've not been working on this yeah. yeah I mean I've played the new Assassin's Creed Mirage at the moment I've played a lot of Baldur's Gate <laughs> which everyone has been at the moment <laughs> I, still, I still have yet to do that I mean there's there's so many amazing like branching storylines to it and obviously the voice acting is all very good so I enjoy it for all of those aspects yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, just, I'm just hearing people saying they spent hours and hours, like up to triple figures in hours, and that's still on one playthrough. And if it's branching narrative, God. yeah, I don't even know how far I am in. Like, I feel like I've been in it ages, and it maybe is only like Act Two or something. Yeah, yeah I've been told it's supposed to be really, really big. So, uh, but, um, but yeah. Um, so in terms of uh, going back to quite people going, have you got a set date, like a release date in mind? Have you got a goal post? Or? Yeah, we're hoping for maybe quarter four next year, towards the end of next year. But we've got. I don't know, we're kind of aiming to work on it for another year, at least. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see yeah. how that goes. Yeah, and, you, and, there's a, and, you, and on, on, the, on the chat that we definitely didn't have yesterday, <laughs> she mentioned it was like a small team, like there's a small team behind it as well. Yeah, so, so yeah. there's seven of us at the moment. Um, myself, my partner Kev, who's a sound designer. We have three 3D artists, a lighting art artist, and our voice director, Kirsty, who also does all the casting for yeah, the game. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's yeah. everyone who's the core yeah. team. I did have a speak, I did have a chat with Kevin I think um, yesterday and stuff, and um, I was getting an education in sound design. Yeah, and, like, that's amazing. Yeah, cause it, yeah, because that's the background. Like, got in sound and voice and direction and stuff, and um, yeah, and like the you know, the importance of sound design and stuff, and uh, saying like it's important to know that there's a difference when you walk upstairs and downstairs and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That felt like I've like learned something by then. So it's, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. you notice bad sound design, but you don't necessarily notice that's when, a, when it's somewhere. That's exactly right? what he said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah if, the best sound design is the one you don't notice. Yes. Yeah. But of course, for sound designers, geeking out over little details like things like that and like creaks where you're like, oh, the step sounds like a real step. That's <laughs> probably yeah. what he enjoys. But yeah, but um, now, yeah, as I said, um, I did play the demo and I really enjoyed it. I remember waiting for a while because it was just, I was in the queue for it. But, yes. um, <laughs> but no, yeah, it's really good. And if anyone's listening, yeah, it's one of the ones I'm really quite looking forward to playing one day. Oh, so uh, I'm really pleased. No worries. So yeah, thank you for being to talk to me again. Oh, thank you so much. No worries. <laughs> thank you. Okay, so I'm with Vance from Standoff Software talking about Vegabond Starship. Um, so uh, at the moment we're currently like reaching midday of Sunday. So how's Adventure X been for yourself so far? Um, it's been great. There have been a steady stream of people coming through and playing the games, or the game, rather, and, um, you know, gotten a lot of feedback and, uh, and positive reactions and, uh, you know, uh, just a great opportunity to, to talk to people and also, um, you know, other developers and people working in the industry. So yeah, it's always a great time and this year's no different. Yeah, so um, yeah, you, you've brought along the Vagabond Starship, yes. which um, before we start recording, you say it's the fifth 
game in a series. It is, yes. yes. The Sir Teufel's Tale series uh, started with Unicorn Dungeon, then Poltergeist Treasure, <coughs> then Leprechaun Shadow, then Alien Function, and this is the fifth game, Vagabond Starship. Ah, okay, so, um, and it, it, it's got like a very kind of like unique feel to it. So I had a quick, a quick play on it, and there's a, uh, it's got like a medieval kind of feel, but everyone's on a Star Trek, on a Star, Star Trek ship. So, um, so what, what was the idea to kind of mix those two kind of genres together? Yeah, so um, the whole idea for, of this series from the beginning is very absurdist. Um, sort of absurdist comedy. It was inspired by originally like things like Firesign Theater and whatnot. So like that just stuff that just didn't really make sense and was funny because it doesn't make sense. Um, and so in the in the first game we are set in medieval times in a dungeon. Um, but there's just a whole bunch of completely anachronistic things um, going on and um, just absurdity and uh, that uh, you know that absurdity is kind of just what ties the the series uh, together well besides the story which is continuing from game to game but um, so it, it's uh, there's really no bounds that I won't cross no bounds of absurdity that I won't cross so uh, while the first few games were uh, fantasy, um, they ended up in space, captured by aliens, they took over the ship, now um, the lead character is the captain of the ship with the crew from the fantasy world as yeah. now working on the ship as the ship's crew. Mm. Um, and so yeah, it just, uh, it just kind of went that direction. Yeah, I think I was trying to think. There's been like kind of like meldings of different kind of genres together and stuff. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, there's like there's like naval aspects to Star Trek in general. Yeah. Star Trek Next Generation, definitely at least, anyway. Um, then you've got stuff like Firefly, which is basically a western. Right. Which is basically cowboys in, uh, in yep. space rather than that. And then you've got uh, not exactly knights, but uh, kind of you said feudal. English nobleman, well, yeah, English well, nobleman, well, the lead character, Sir Typhoon of Croydor, is a knight, yeah, and uh, the others are not, but uh, yeah, yeah, so uh, yeah, I think it's quite an interesting mix of um, kind of things and stuff. So, and you've gone the and it's a traditional point and click, we like in between puzzles and stuff, yeah. yes, but uh, like all of the games in the series, it is about 90% point and click adventure game. Uh, with some other mini games in, so you didn't play long enough to get to it, but there is in this demo even a uh, Pong mini game. Right. And all of the games in the series have some other sort of game genre in it somewhere, um, and uh, this one will have. Besides that Pong, there's also going to be like a, a ship lander game. You know the gravity ship lander. Yes. Uh, I can't remember what it's called or something. Yeah, I can't remember. It's Defender? <laughs> Defender was where you shoot from the ground. Yeah, I don't Gravit remember. Graviton? Oh. Uh, yeah, Gravitar was a game like that, but it had other aspects, like you had to choose the planets. Uh, 
Gravatar is, is kind of like that, but you didn't land in Gravatar. You had to just stay above the ground. But anyway, there's people. Some, there's probably people listening who's yelling at the yeah. computer <laughs> slash mobile device going, "It's this game." <laughs> yeah. So there's that. Or this house knows nothing. <laughs> Lunar Lander, that was it, right? Lunar Lander? I think so. Like, the name doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, um, gonna, what's going to happen is it's going to be like about three hours, like three hours from there. You're going to go, that was yeah. it. <laughs> or you're going to quickly Google it when, you, when we're finished. Um, yeah, so there's that, and there's um, uh, a little kind of... Uh, Kart racing mini game that's going to be later in this in this game as well. So that's always that's always in every game. There's always these kind of mini games interspersed in as well. But it's mostly yeah. a point and click uh, traditional style. So what so what is it about um, Sir Typhoon which has kept you going back to the character? Or? Yeah. So the interesting thing is, is I had this whole series planned out before the first game was even made. I had all six games in the series. This is the fifth one. There's one more after this. And so everything was planned out, you know, including the going into space and all of this kind of stuff that seems like it just came out of nowhere. It was planned from the very beginning. And um, so I've just been doing, executing the plan. Um, And yeah, so I think what's really interesting about it is that every game is in a different genre. And so the first game is really sort of classic uh, fantasy um, thing. But the second game, it is still set in the fantasy world, but it's more of a horror-themed game. The third one is a detective-themed game. He takes on the role of a detective. And then uh, the fourth one is sort of a hard sci-fi sort of... And then this uh, fifth one is more of a... Fantasy sci-fi, more like Star Trek um, yeah, kind of thing, but they're they're all very absurd comedies. Uh, no matter what uh, the the kind of genre leanings of each game, but because each game is so different than the last, it uh, I guess as you said, what keeps me going is that it's not just doing the same thing over and over. Each game is a very unique uh, experience and a unique genre and something new that uh, is happening. So, like, like, I've got this character that I care about so much. What what, what stupid situation yeah. can we do next? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate that. It's, uh, that's pretty cool. So, so you've got pretty much like the, ending, like the ending plan and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's all been cool. planned out. So I'm assuming then the different genres means that um, anyone can like just join at any point in the game. Yes. Yeah, so, so it's I, not. So it's not seri- Is it? So it's not serialized, or is so it? So it is. It is a continuing story. Um, if you want the full story, then you should start at the first game and yeah, play yeah, yeah. from there. However, I do make sure that there's nothing that you need to know or be aware of or anything from any previous game that's going to stop you from starting at any particular game in the series. So all the games can stand alone. There's, you're not going to be lost very much. You know, Anything that you need to know will be explained to you somehow within that game. You're not going to you know, suddenly join and not have any idea what's going on. Um, but if you do play the earlier games, you'll have you know a much larger understanding of what's going on in the story at close. Ah, okay. Have you had any so going beyond the games? Have you had any chance to look around at anyone else's 
game so far. Unfortunately, I really haven't had much opportunity to. Yeah. Everyone's asked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of a full-time job sitting yeah. here and uh, running the demos and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. But, um, Barely look, have time to go grab a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, so, what games have you been playing beyond this then? So. In terms of when you're not working on this, what do you have you played anything? Yeah, um, I, actually quite a few things. So I um, co-host a podcast called Indie Game Riot, okay. and uh, so a lot of the games that I play that is not my game is actually games that we're covering on that show. So um, we we try to look for indie games and uh, yeah, try to give them exposure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so like you know, games like uh, recently uh, we've talked about. Um, let's see, what what have we talked? What have we? What 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 have I played? Um, so like, like Mecha Bellum was a really good one. That's not an adventure game. Like a lot of the games aren't really adventure games. So, so we played um, Tommy Gun Witches. That's a, um, by Cosmic Void. That that's a, an interesting game. Um, what else have I? What else have I played? I, um, yeah, just uh, just a bunch of a bunch of stuff like that. That um, my brain is scattered. I'm having it's a hard time remembering all the titles at the moment. But yeah, basically, the, all of the games that I play are kind of these days are, are geared toward that kind of like indie stuff so yeah. not much of a triple A yeah I mean I, I play I play some Baldur's Gate 3 sometimes <laughs> yeah, I've not, not touched that yet um, um, my, the biggest one I played was um, Spider-Man 2 oh okay yeah, which is it good? I loved yeah, it. I yeah. yeah. <laughs> I completed it. I completed it in about a week, but I, I, I was just playing the main story. I've not had a chance to go around and do all the side quests yet. Oh but right. I, but I'm arguing that the, the main story is, is really good enough. It's really good. So I'm, I'm a fan of the character and the Spider-Man mythos anyway. Yeah. So oh, good. Ha- having their original take on what what they do with certain characters like Venom and um, Venom and the Hunt, Craven the Hunter and stuff. He's, He's great. So that kind of thing kind of draws me in. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. no, I I, uh, I like Spider-Man as well. I'll give that a shot. Yeah, I think they've yeah um, the, their version of Venom works really well. Oh, cool! So yeah, it's pretty good. Good. So yeah, uh, thank you ever so much for uh, chatting to me about uh, Big Monster Starship. So. Yeah, thanks nice. for playing and thanks for uh, talking to me. So uh, my name is Corey Brotherson and I am the writer slash narrative designer for Windrush Tales, which we're yeah. being published under Freefall Games. Oh, okay, so. Is it out yet? Uh, no, no, we're still in development, just come out of pre-production, so uh, we're still kind of very, very early days, but we're, we're making steady headway at the moment. We've got okay. a nice new demo to kind of go through and show people at this time. Okay, so, um, so what's the game about? So Windrush Tales is a branching narrative adventure game set within an interactive photo book, and essentially what you're doing as the player character is that you're having to take a photo book with all these different photos and ephemera that's there yeah, yeah. and put it together as a tribute to a lady who was, winning, who was actually from the Windrush generation. And kind of while you're doing that, you're experiencing and imagining what her life was like during the 1950s and 1960s mm-hmm. as to when, to when she came from the Caribbean to live in the UK. Ah, oh, okay. So, um, so when you come to um, design the games, do you have with the people that you knew that were from the generation that you spoke to to get experiences to base the game? Or? Yeah, I was actually quite, I'm quite lucky in the sense of that my parents and my grandparents, unfortunately two of them passed away last year, are from that generation. Okay. So I've been had a chance to kind of either talk to them or talk around them in terms of their experiences themselves. But we also held a couple of workshops 
and we're very lucky to get to speak to various members of the Caribbean community uh, from that generation and also their families and talk about what their experiences were when they came over to the country and how they feel about a game that's being made about their experiences yeah. as well. And that has been a really what kind of eye-opening experience in itself because you get to learn exactly sort of like where you're going right and you know, maybe where you need to kind of take a few more uh, steps in the right direction to get to where there's more authenticity when it comes to what they went through during their lives as well. But, um, but that's been a fundamental cornerstone of our research when we come to actually put the game together. Oh, okay. So, so what was the genesis? What, what decided you wanted to do the game? Was it just was it to tell that story? Was it to explore that period of history? Or? Well, um, Shella Ramanan, who's the director of the game, um, back in 2018, I think it was, she wanted to do something to celebrate uh, Windrush's 70th anniversary. And she didn't really know what to do at the time. So she was thinking about maybe doing a short story or maybe a poem or something along those lines. And given that she it was a games journalist at the time, she thought, well, why not make a game? Um, so she started kind of like putting together the ideas of, of crafting a game around the Windrush generation because she is also a descendant of the Windrush generation too. And um, eventually kind of approached me to see if I wanted to join in and be part of that game. So we started talking about it a little bit more and then really started kind of putting down the foundations of what we wanted to do and what we wanted to explore for the game and really kind of like help celebrate what they, what they went through, the sort of things that they effectively encouraged to, to want to stay in the, in the country as well, despite the adversity and challenges that they went through too. Okay, so, and what, what made you go for the, the gaming mechanic? Um, well, initially we wanted to kind of explore like areas of, I guess, pockets and areas that maybe wasn't quite explored by comparison to other kind of gameplay genres. But given that it is about something which is a historical event and talks about um, a generation that hasn't really, I think we're the actually very first Windrush game that's been video game that's been created. So there was an opportunity there to really kind of like look at something which would feel that be reflective and respectful for what they went through and the sort yeah, yeah. of things that they kind of had to endure. Um, obviously when it comes to deciding kind of genres and talk about the scope of the game as well, we are an indie um, developer and publisher at the end of the day, so we have to still stay within the scope of what we think is financially viable. Yeah. But we had um, a really kind of good mentor in the fact through uh, John Ingold, who is the founder of Inkle, one of the co-founders of Inkle. Okay. Um, and we wanted to use his platform, the Inkle, sorry, Ink and Inky, um, as a programming tool. So we kind of like went down that funnel and we had a little bit of a guidance from him in terms of how we could kind of use that uh, that programming tool to, to kind of shape our the narrative around that. So really we decided to kind of like to explore things in terms of like, okay, so we want to give people the opportunity to um, kind of go down the path of making choices that feel consequential but also really kind of impactful as well. Yeah, yeah. And so having a branching narrative structure really allowed us to, to do that in, that in that way without feeling kind of, I guess... Um, Without stepping away too far away from, I guess, from the experiences that they had, but also kind of being able to really kind of delve into the sort of uh, different types of experiences that they went through as well. Okay, so, in terms, so I'm assuming that means there's different endings, and yeah, so how, how did you approach that with thinking, okay, it's going to be a historical game, how do we give different canonical endings without kind of going against history, more or less? It is definitely um, a heavy sense of fiction. It's yeah. like the stories that we're telling is are made up at the end yeah, of the yeah. day, but we're still taking a lot of historical, direct influences from historical events, mm-hmm. real-world events, and obviously with the research we've done with the people that we've spoken to as well, for all intents and purposes, a lot of the stuff that we've put in the fiction of the game actually have happened in some way or the other. 
so I think for us, when we wanted to kind of like go down the route of making a branching narrative, it was really kind of making sure that the stuff that we're doing still felt authentic and still felt realistic to the experiences, but still could be engaging as a story. Uh, because like, you know, the stuff that they may have gone through may not necessarily be fit kind of conveniently to a narrative or a story yeah. in itself. So it's really making sure we kind of massage that and really shape it in a way which feels like it would have actually happened in that respect too. Oh no, that sounds all good. Good. And um, slightly pivoting from um, doing the Avenger Games podcast, doing the other podcast I do, which is us is about Loom, which is more about being a fan of games. Um, so at the moment, is there anything here that kind of tickles your fancy? Have you had a, ch- have you had a chance to look at any of the other games yet? I haven't actually had too much chance to, to look yeah. at too many other games. I came in and kind of like started setting up, and I was like, "Oh yeah. my god, this time has got away from me." Yeah. Uh, but I have like had the opportunity to look at Asterism, yeah, which yeah. is actually just right next to me here, yeah. um, which is actually being made by one of our creative collaborators, Claire Morwood, who okay. works on Windrush Tales as well, but also wants the co-founder of Freefold Games, okay. and it, that looks wonderful. It's such an inventive, musically driven game that I really yeah. want to kind of sit down and get to play with it. So I am actually really looking forward to, to diving into that and seeing okay. that a bit more. So um, in terms, have you been playing anything, um, anything recently or is there anything that's been directly, is there anything you played that's kind of influenced Windrush? Um, at this moment in time, I'm trying to think if there was. I think, uh, I've been playing a lot of Inkles games, to be honest, mm-hmm. because obviously between the link between that we're using Ink and they're using Ink as well, that's been kind of really useful to kind of get to kind of get the intricacies of, of the programming tool which is very very powerful in itself but I think also from my perspective I try to step away from playing anything which is going to influence me too heavily uh, sure, yeah. for it because I don't want to kind of draw too much of those into into our game as it were so I've been playing outside of stuff that so all the big AAA games that are currently out you know <laughs> Zelda and Mario and Baldur's yeah, Gate and stuff like that which are actually a nice way to refresh the inkwell a little bit more as well because you get so caught up in creating the game and putting yeah. it all together that sometimes you just need a way to step aside from that and yeah. dive into something which is entirely different from what you're doing to kind of really give you a, a moment of, of kind of giving you a moment of mind of just rest for the way you're going through. Then again, though, suddenly if you start playing Windrush Tales and there's suddenly massive corners that turning into elephants suddenly appears <laughs> like, yeah, they've, they've not been able to compartmentalise that stuff. But, uh, but no, um, but yeah, thank you so much. And um, yeah, I'll... I'll, I'll give go the game later on and speak to you later Brilliant. thank you very much thank you so much for your time no problem. thank you so that was our interviews at Adventure X 2023 once again a huge huge thank you to Matt Layton for doing the interviews um, I think he did a fantastic job they were really great to listen to and uh, thank you to everyone of all the developers who agreed to speak uh, to Matt as well and um, and yeah I hope you all enjoyed it uh, you can also listen, if you haven't already, to the Adventure X 2023 special episode that we did where I spoke with Matt, Kieran and Laura about our favourite demos and our favourite talks at Adventure X as well. So uh, still plenty to, uh, plenty more to go. Um, I am also uploading, you're just about finishing the Winter Odyssey Journeys Through the Cold series from the Adventure Games podcast where I go on a virtual journey to some of the most remote and coldest uh, part of the world through adventure and narrative games uh, and more um, reviews coming up we'll be reviewing some Christmas games and some other games and more interviews coming up as well I will be uploading a new interview that I did with uh, the developer of Suzerain one of my favorite games of the last few years as well so plenty more still to come 
and uh, I hope uh, to see you all there. So uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks again to Matt for doing the interviews. And uh, we'll chat to you very, very soon. So take care, everyone. Goodbye. So if you like the Adventure Games podcast, then please subscribe, rate, and review. Wherever you listen to podcasts, please leave a review on iTunes if you can, as every review helps, and reviews will help get the word out, especially for adventure game developers who appear on the podcast. Now, you can also follow me on social media. You can follow me on Twitter at Advent Game Pod. You can follow me on Facebook at Adventure Games Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at Adventure Games Podcast as well. And we're also on Discord at Adventure Games Podcast. So if you are a Adventure Game developer or a Adventure Game player, you can follow us there. So again, please feel free to retweet and share podcast episodes and the podcast to people who you believe may enjoy it and you can also find more information about the podcast on www.adventuregamespodcast.com so until next time thank you